Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we are seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We are also here as a platform to provide leaders to come together to unite, to develop, empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, faith, and community. Today, we are here to have another incredible conversation about how to speak effectively online. And to have that conversation, we are joined by our special guests today, Brendan from Master Talk. Those of you that will watch this and listen to this, put those clap emojis in the comment section, clap those hands up for our special guest, Brendan from Master Talk. He is the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. Before we get a little further about knowing who Brendan is, we want to thank all of our audience, our Unscripted family there, those of you that are following us, our YouTube channel there, Unscripted Authentic Leadership, on our various social media platforms, as you see on the screen from Facebook, Instagram, our Instagram handles at Unscripted Leadership, LinkedIn, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. Those of you that listen and download the podcast on all streaming platforms, from Apple to Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. You can find our podcast there, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also connect and engage with us on our website, unscripted-leadership.com, where you also can find our new merch that is available. You can get a 10% off merch promo code by signing up for our Unscripted Club email group. You will receive a 10% off merch promo code LEAD10 when you connect with us there on unscripted-leadership.com. At this time, I want our special guest, Brendan from Master Talk, just give us a little background about who he is and what he does. At this time, Brendan. Of course, of course. Thanks so much, YouTube. It's such a pleasure to be here. And and like you said, you know, my name's Brendan. I make YouTube videos on communication, public speaking. And my mission in this world is to be the bridge between everyone's ideas. You know, I think the next Elon Musk is probably a seven-year-old girl in Cambodia. So my goal is to create resources that anyone can access. And then in addition to that, I coach people also. Amazing. I've never heard anyone say be the bridge between others' ideas. I think that is brilliant. That is amazing. Let's dig into that um, and, and what you do as far as the effective speaking and the public speaking and mastering the public speaking. How did you get a passion for doing that? Where did that stem from, especially in this hybrid space that we're in, that not only are people having to publicly speak in person, but having to connect with an audience through a screen or through a webcam uh, with a ring light and there's nobody in the room. How do we effectively speak from that standpoint as speakers and leaders? Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the first part of the question, Lafayette, around how did I learn communication? What was the, where did the passion come from? So in a nutshell, what happened was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing football or basketball, some other scary thing I wouldn't dare to get near. Instead, I invested that same energy to presentations. That's what I did professionally for three to four years. Well, rather, not maybe not professional, be more so competitively. And that's why I developed a gift for this. And eventually, later on, I realized that the communication information out there that's available for free isn't really good. You hear advice like, oh, you should like be yourself yeah, and uh, follow your dreams and do all these things. And I just went, what are we supposed to do with this info? 
So I started MasterCut really in my mom's basement with the hope of helping some people out and it turned into a thing of its own. That's one piece. And the other piece you asked about with virtual presentation, I think what I would say is it all starts by really getting close to your audience. So what I always recommend for virtual is you want to get on a phone call with at least one or two people before you jump into a virtual chat with them. So when I started doing podcasts for the first time, I wouldn't be as comfortable speaking, even if I'm his coach. Because when I started, I was like, well, I want to be next to you two. I want to speak to both of you. And I couldn't. So what I did instead is I started getting on phone calls. People at the beginning started to get to know them first. So that way, when I got straight to the podcast, I was a lot more focused and a lot more energized. So that would be my advice. Sure. I think that's great. And I think that what you are providing is absolutely necessary to just life in general. I mean, everything that we do is based upon communication. Um, and, and there's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of things that go awry based on a breakdown in communication. And I think that uh, many people have an understanding of what they think communication is or what effective communication is. But I think that you can shed some more light on how do we effectively communicate with people? Because, you know, the way that I communicate with John is, is not going to be the same way that I communicate with you because we have two different communication styles or two different type of receptive styles of that communication style that's being brought forth. So what is effective communication to you? Absolutely. I, I think for me, the first step I always like to begin with is a question. And that question is how would the world change if you became an exceptional communicator? I'll repeat that again. How would the world change if you became an exceptional communicator? When I always say public speaking and effective communication starts with communicating effectively to one person, which is you. And then once you figure out who you are, how to communicate effectively to yourself and your ability to articulate thoughts and put them on a piece of paper, put them on a podcast, put them on a YouTube video, whichever format you're comfortable with, it can be a blog. It improves your ability to communicate your own thoughts back to yourself. That's one piece. The other piece is communicating effectively with the people we get along with. So that means the people that we just are attracted to energetically. The people where you just meet that person, you say, where has this person been? Because when you look at communication that way, it becomes a lot more fun versus the way we currently look at communication, which is generally fear, anxiety, nerves, stress, in some cases, death, which is not what we want. <laughs> so the focus is find the people that even if you made a hundred mistakes with, they would still want to talk to you, still have a right. conversation. And then the third piece, of course, which is a bit more harder, is how do you have authentic conversations and how do you have detailed conversations, effective ones, with people you might not get along with, which is a different phase for another time. But I would say the, the first two points is definitely something most people don't think about and do. Sure. I, I kind of, if you don't mind, if, if we can go into that last element that you talked about. Yeah. I don't think the issue comes in with most people like effectively communicating with people that you get along with or you have a friendship with or that you have some type of um, tenure in that relationship with that person. I think the problem with communication or the breakdown of communication comes in when we're not on the same wavelength or we have different perspectives or we have some type of conflict. How do we then communicate with people 
that we necessarily don't get along with or they don't get along with us or we don't necessarily agree with them, but we have to communicate with them on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. To build on your point, Lafayette, I actually think the communication is broken down in both key areas, the people we get along with and the people we don't get along with. Because even with the people we get along with, think think about your family. Think Mm -hmm. about your close friends. Do you really understand everything they say all the time? I was thinking about that with your spouse. That's great. That's a good example. Because the first thing you said is communicate effectively with people you're close to. And I'm always working on trying to be a better communicator with my wife, who I've known for 20 years. (laughs) And I still am not always very good about it because sometimes we're just not on the same page. Sure. And we recognize that at times. We're like, okay, we are obviously not seeing the same things. We're not on the same wavelength. We're not speaking the same language today. Right. And so I could definitely see how that could be a possibility and something that would be critical to learn about. But I understand what Lafayette was actually what he was getting to. Yeah, you both uh, make great points on that. That's good. Huh? No, but, but you're correct too, Lafayette, because yeah. the breakdown is especially significant when it's somebody we don't get along with. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? If you don't like the person, <laughs> you don't even know why. Like, how do you how do you yeah. communicate with them? That's a challenge, and I'm happy to talk about how to overcome them. But so, I would say for most people, focus on the people around you. Like for me, it took me years to get my communication straight with my mom. Mm-hmm. Not because we had a bad relationship, not because we hated each other. I live with her, right? It's because we grew up in very different value systems. Mm-hmm. She was born in Sri Lanka. I was born in Canada. It's a complete clash of values. One example of that is in American and Canadian culture – it's a good tendency to leave the house very early. It's normal. You know, you kind of graduate and you leave. Whereas in, in our home country, you, you never do that until you get married. Mm-hmm. So that's one piece. Or that's a big difference. I preferred staying anyway, so we didn't, we, we didn't really argue there. But, <laughs> but, but that's just one microcosm, one small idea of explaining a much bigger picture. So we disagree mm-hmm. on so many things culturally, but it's our ability to come together, mm. even if we already get along. But to point three... How do you do it in a way that, well, the people you just can't, you just don't like them. Like, so what do you do? I think for me, the trick, and you already know this, is effective listening, right? It's Mm -hmm. how do you listen first? And more specifically, more specifically, to add a little bit more granularity there, you know you're a good listener when you respond with questions, not statements. Mm. Okay, let me repeat that again. You know you're a good listener when you respond with questions, not statements. So let's say me and Lafayette are in an argument, which would probably never happen because he seems like a pretty cool dude. So let's say we're, we're getting to this big fight and he's giving his point of view and he's like, you know what, Brendan, the people I get along with, we have pretty good uh, communication. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just kidding. I'm sure you wouldn't say that, but let's just assume. So yeah. instead of me saying, hey, mister, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think, I have to pause and go, let's work on your perspective a bit more because I want to understand it. Why do you believe what you believe? <clears throat> Can you talk about the relationships around you? Why is it that 100% of the relationships <clears throat> you get along with so well? Maybe I can learn something from that. Sure. Maybe there's something you're doing in relation. It's probably true that I should be doing more so I don't have this problem. right? So because I'm focusing on your perspective and not mine, that shows I'm a really good listener. But instead, and this happens in every argument, every fight all the time, whether it's politics and all everything. It's literally statement, 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 statement. 
Whereas the really good people go statement, question, 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 and the conversation's over and everyone's hugging and eating pizza. Mm, that's well, really cool because that's actually how Lafayette and, and I came to a mutual respect early on in our friendship. Remember that, bro? Well, absolutely. We began talking about critical discussions going on in the United States without getting too deep right here. Um, and we both, it was just questions about things going on in the news and things that are important, or, you know, maybe we were talking about the black lives matter movement or different things like that. And it was us at me asking him questions, him asking mine with nobody trying to argue each trying to understand the perspective because we realized that I realized myself that I'm like, okay, I'm missing something here. Explain to me your perspective. And then he would come back. He would explain his perspective and then ask me. And then what we realized, which is really cool, which is why we started the podcast is we both wanted the same results. We just, right. we just grew up with slightly different. They weren't way different perspectives. We had the same heart. We just yeah. realized that we had like, two degrees difference. That was it in perspective of a circumstance. And so once we listen to the other perspective, that's where our respect grew for each other. And we still don't always agree a hundred percent on every single little piece, but we're always kind of slowly navigating closer on the same spot as we grow in friendship, because we just keep understanding each other's perspectives, which does change how I view things. It probably changes how he views things over time. Um, so it's really cool how you said that. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's so powerful because I think when we we're talking about effective communication and mastering your talk and public speaking, and I think that many times, or at least for me, when I think of communication, we always do it, think of it through the lens or view it through the lens of speaking. When what you just said that the first step to effective communication is actually not saying anything; it's listening. And so, to be that effective communicator or that effective public speaker, it really doesn't start with saying a word. It starts by by you listening with both your ears. It's kind of like my, what my father always told me that God gave us two ears and one mouth because he wanted us to do twice as much listening than talking. Yeah. Right. And so I, I want to get into this piece. I know John probably has a whole, some questions as well, but I noticed in your your brand is master talk. And so we're talking about this whole public speaking idea and this effective communication and speaking effectively online and in person. How do we become masters at our craft? Uh, for me as a preacher, I know one of the things that, you know, knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to when you're speaking and having those effective cues and knowing who you're talking to, they'll kind of give you the cues that you need to effectively communicate with them. But how do we continue to sharpen our communication skills? You gave us one there about the listening, but how do we get to the place to where we are master communicators? Absolutely. You know, my perspective has always been, my definition of mastery is the following. Someone who understands that they know very little about anything. Mm. And I know that mm. sounds counterintuitive, but even me today with the, I guess, quote unquote success, whatever you guys want to call it that I have today, I still don't consider myself the best communicator out there. I really don't. I'm always focused on what is the next level of growth. And that is the 
only commonality amongst the masters of every field, whether that field is biology, whether that field is chemistry, whether that field is communication, is the people at the top understand that they'll never actually get there. So they need to make the world or their world, their teacher. I'll give you an example. When I started coaching C-suite executives, I think I was like 22 or 23. For those who don't know what C-suite means, that just means like CEOs of companies. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so I was doing well for myself, of course, but I, I, I wasn't seeing the same growth and improvement. So my, my business partner said, why don't you just start coaching kids? And that really scared me. I was like, kids? He's like, yeah, coach six-year-olds on how to be great communicators. And it freaked me out. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, what? And it was the best lesson. It was the best. And I still do it today. And the reason has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do, to your point, to keep myself sharp with my communication. Because that's the hardest thing you can do is coaching kids. Absolutely. So anyways, the principle is that I would say from a more tactical perspective on what people can do to sharpen their skills, so many different things. But I would say the biggest thing is definitely accountability. You need to have someone to do a lot of the drills I teach in my videos with each other. That means joining a Toastmasters club if you don't have a budget for a speech coach. That means working together as a team of friends and working through these exercises. But it means doing it on a consistent basis and constantly giving each other feedback. Even if you're not coaches, doesn't matter. That's really the focus. And in terms of like techniques you can do, one I love that I always preach is the random word exercise. Super simple. Pick a random word, right? Light bulb, shirt, basement, and just make a presentation out of thin air. Do it five times a day, five minutes total, and you'll have done the exercise 2,000 times almost in a year. Wow. That's, it sounds simple, but that will take us as communicators a very long way, just taking inanimate objects and trying to make a presentation around that. That that's great. That is that is amazing. John, do you have something, bro? Um, sort of. You ha- you had mentioned sure. something about early on about when you began your podcast, you were afraid to talk. I don't know if you said afraid, nervous, maybe apprehensive, fill in the blank, to talk to the individual that was you're going to interview or be interviewed by, so you would get on the phone with them to get more comfortable. Now that comes after, I'm assuming you've spent several years of learning to speak effectively, getting rid of my hardest thing is my ums and ahs. So I have to slow myself down when talking. I'm from the West Coast is where I grew up and we talk fast. So I'm learning to not talk so quick because everybody thinks I I mumble. But anyways, but that what you had mentioned was you had to get on the phone with them to get to know them better. That I'm assuming that means that there must have been some fear when it comes to speaking in public in front of somebody, in front of a camera, which is definitely kind of weird, but I've certainly gotten used to it. How do you overcome that? Because I have to assume that a lot of the listeners must have that deep fear of speaking in public because I understand it could be a self-image struggle. It could is my guess of a lot of it. But can you speak to that? Because obviously that's something you had to overcome. And how do you become an effective communicator with more than two people if you have that fear of communicating in front of somebody? Absolutely. So I think what I would say is, so let's start with the principle. 
right? And the principle is the following. Fear is always going to be there, mm-hmm. right? Just because you're going skydiving the second time doesn't mean it's less scarier or not scary at all, rather. I think that's the better term. There's always going to be fear in anything that you do. The, the thing that I like to preach, because anything anyone who tells you they're not scared at all is, is definitely lying, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's what is the fear compared to the weight of the message? Mm. So for me, if the message is more important than the fear, the fear loses. Good analogy I like to use, which is odd since I'm not a sports guy, is a boxing match. Let's say on one side of the ring, you got your fear. And the other side of the ring, you got your message. Fear is always going to be in the corner. But as long as your message gets the knockout punch, right, fear always loses in the end. And I think that's the difference between the best communicators on the planet versus everyone else is the best communicators on the planet believe so much in their message that they're willing to crush their fear. I'm the best example of this. Yeah, sure. I sound like some great communicator now, however you want to define me. But when I started coaching CEOs when I was 22, that wasn't fun. Okay, It wasn't fun the first couple of months because I'm speaking to people who literally have worked at their companies longer than I've been alive. (laughs) It's literally... So, so how do you overcome that? Well, you overcome it by understanding that, yeah, this person, this woman, this man, they have a lot of experience, nothing to discount. They have a lot of experience in their field. They've done really good work. But in this one vertical, this message, this one thing about communication, I might know a bit more. I might know a bit more. So let me hone in on that message. Let me lean into that and make sure that that message beats the fear every single day. So you're focused then on the value that you're about to provide over the fear that may stop you from overcoming and giving that value. Absolutely. That's one piece. And then the other piece really quickly is I can't blame everyone. Think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't blame anyone. Most of us are supposed to be scared of communication. And the reason is simple. We weren't taught it correctly. Mm. Think about it. Every presentation you gave was in class class PowerPoint. <laughs> PowerPoint. Okay, are is it is is class where you walk in the teacher goes, "What's up you two? You want to talk about podcasting? Let's do a presentation on podcasting. I like a world map. Do you like history?" No, that's not how it works. It's right. um okay, you two uh, boys, I need you to do a presentation on you do the Renaissance, you do uh why don't you do Shakespeare? And you're mm-hmm. just looking at each other like, okay, so that's one. Two, you're never giving one presentation a semester. You're giving like 10,000. So you got your history presentation, your science presentation, your French presentation where I grew up, mm-hmm. English one. Yeah. So you're like surviving. It's kind of like you're in this battle zone and you're kind of jumping from one <laughs> to camp to the other. You're just trying to survive. Is that the best way to learn? No. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you have teachers. Teachers are amazing. Got a lot of respect for teachers. Teachers just don't have the time to coach you because they grew up in the same system you did. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there's 50 kids. So you don't really have time to go, hey, Jimmy, let me coach you for two hours. There's no time. So no wonder we're all scared of communication. Instead, our focus should be present one thing you actually like. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do it for a living. You actually like, like you two, this is the recommendation. Here's some free advice. Make a presentation on your own podcast. Mm. what's it for what's the mission why does it matter who should listen to it and go present it at your local universities communities churches go wherever you want and present that sucker over and over and over and over again 
You'll get people listen to your show and you'll have fun practicing communication. And better yet, you're two people. You'll give feedback to each other. No excuses. Get it done. I love it. I love, right, it. Cool. I love the challenge and the accountability. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's such you. a good point because when, as you said that, a thought came to mind that I believe most people, that when they're learning to do presentations, not just communicate effectively, but presentations, which is, I think, how most people view communication in this sort of setting, when they're more focused on memorizing the content than the rest, which makes you nervous. That's why they write it down. That's why they read from the paper and so forth, versus if you're actually presenting on something you enjoy and know, you can now focus on delivering value to the audience versus all the bullets of, well, as you said, Shakespeare, which I don't even know anything on, but <laughs> I'd be nervous on that too. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Lafayette. No, that was, that was a great point you made. I, I kind of want to go back to something that you said that I said was interesting in the beginning. Um, you talked about, I believe you said your purpose or your goal was to help people connect ideas. What do you mean by that? And Unpack that. What does that mean? Connecting ideas from various people. Absolutely. Great question, man. Great question. Not not many people like to push around the vision, so I appreciate it. So, so the way that I think about this is I firmly believe that the best ideas in the world currently are not being shared. Like hmm. in this moment of time as me and you and or like all three of us are having this conversation, the best ideas in the world exist but aren't being shared. Why? Because the people who hold those ideas are too scared to share them in a public way, right? Through a YouTube video, through a podcast, through just a conversation with their friends because they don't have the skill set of communication, which is wrong because everyone has the skill set of communication, but it's the fear, right? The, the nerves. So my grand mission is if I made the whole world exceptional communicators, and nobody was afraid to share their stories and their ideas, well, that means by definition that all of the best ideas would get shared. And if all of the best ideas get known, all of the best ideas would get implemented. And if all of the best ideas get implemented, the human race would advance a lot faster, and we would get a lot faster to fighting a lot less and working a lot more together so we can actually get some important things done while we're alive. That That's amazing. It reminds me of a quote um, by Miles Monroe. Um, he said that the wealthiest place on the planet is just down the road, it's the cemetery. Uh, because the cemetery is the place where it is buried the greatest treasure of untapped potential. So people live their life, you talked about the fear element um, and not being able to communicate that gifting, those ideas that you said um, that's in their head, that is in their heart, and so they die with that. And the world is missing elements of greatness because we were held back by fear or by untapped potential. You talked about those connecting ideas. I think that's that's amazing. Now, you talked about a little bit about you and your business partner. What is exactly what do you do within your business? Tell us more about what you do in your business. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, yeah. so I essentially do coaching. So I coach two different types of people. One is ambitious executives and coaches who really want to be world-class at communication. So that's where most of my revenue comes from. And then my, my other piece of the business that's more of a give back is their kids. I also coach their kids on communication 
uh, generally speaking, an, an ambition exec, an ambitious executives is kid. He's generally really sharp. So it's, it's really fun to work with these amazing kids. Some of them are like six years old. So it's a lot of fun to, to see them in action. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's what I do mostly on the business side and on the mission side, which is also the business as well, is then using those resources to make the YouTube videos even better. And also giving me the opportunity to show up for these podcasts, right? Since some, since my clients are, you know, funding my lifestyle, it gives me more time to to show up on shows like this and add and contribute and, and add value. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate that. Now you talked about that you coach C level executives, CEOs, but then on the other spectrum, you coach six year old kids in communication. <laughs> That's correct. The quantum leap between a CEO and a six-year-old kid, we've talked about some principles of communication, some practical things that you can do, but how do you, I don't want to say dummy yourself down, but how do you make that that sharp adjustment that, you know, at 12 o'clock, I'm on a phone call coaching CEOs, but at three (laughs) o'clock, I'm talking to six-year-olds. How do you communicate on both ends of the spectrum effectively like that? That's such a good question. I love that. I've never been asked that before. Love the curiosity. It's a really good show. Anyways, so the, the way that I think about this, Kim, so so let's break one myth really quick. And I don't think you meant this, but it's good. It's good to emphasize for the audience listening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kids are way better than my C-suite clients. I'll tell it to their face. Their kids okay. are way better than they are. And let me mm-hmm. explain why. There's a great study you guys can look up called the Marshmallow Study. Essentially what it is, is the marshmallow studies is, is this um, experiment where you have a bunch of marshmallows and a bunch of spaghetti sticks with not cooked. Okay. And the goal is to create the biggest tower. Mm-hmm. So they get all these different people, these different folks, like MBA students, like master degree people, engineer people. And you know who performed the best in that exercise? The kids. The, the kids. kids. The kids squash. Like it's not even like a metric. Like it's literally be- – <laughs> So the question is what? The reason is because the kids weren't afraid to reinvent themselves mm-hmm. over and over again because they're young. Mm-hmm. So if they go, oh, this doesn't work. Well, let's try something else. Oh, well, this doesn't work. Whereas the MBA students are like, no, this is the work. This is the structure. These are rules. Society, unfortunately, hits out the creativity out of us. It kind of wipes out all of our creativity, makes us follow rules and structures and all these things. And I think in many ways, there's a good thing that it's structured. It helps us cooperate and collaborate with each other. But the, the issue with that, which is my pet peeve, is it prevents us from being creative. Mm-hmm. It prevents us from uh, doing something important with our lives. Because let's face it, the people who do something really amazing with their lives are often not normal people. Mm-hmm. Right, they're, cra- they're crazy folks. Like, like, you know, the people we admire, think about your favorite actress, your favorite actor. Sure. These people are not normal people. Like they're they're crazy in their own ways. So I think that's that's something kids know in their essence, and then unfortunately society kind of tricks them into not following that essence. And that is the reason why kids just do demonstrably better. And that's also why, by the way, it is mandatory for all of my C-suite clients. It's not even an option for them. They have to attend my last session with the kids, and they have mm-hmm. to watch the whole thing. Wow. Where they watched the last, like today was actually that ironically, where so I coached the execs in the morning. I said so I had like a nice bow tie on. I was like it's like a fun. We do we keep it fun. And then yeah. after I was like 
okay, now you're going to stay on this call for another hour and you're going to take notes on the kids and you're going to tell me what you learned from them. And their mind is just blown away. They're just like, wait, my son is like presenting 10 times better than me and I'm triple his age. In some cases, there's one in particular. One of my clients is in their 40s and their son is six years old. So, so, she, so she's probably seven times older, six times older than he is. She's like, man, I got to step up my game. My son's like <laughs> ripping me apart. So yeah, that's uh, – so the, the, the lesson here, Lafayette, great question by the way, is we need to first understand here that it's not really a difference in communication. I think it's more of a mindset approach where we tend to put adults on pedestals where I think most adults don't really know what they're talking about, which is interesting, whereas the kids are often our greatest teachers. We need to hone mm -hmm. in on that. And then the other piece, which is more tactical, is of course – I'm a lot more fun with the kids. I'm a lot more easier on them. I, I let them, like one of them played piano in one of my classes. Like I, I give, there's a lot less rules and we have to manage them in that way. Wow. That's cool. So yeah. my uh, quick story, I, my son is a, the kid that's in class that's super smart, but the teacher likes him, but can't stand him at the same time because he can't sit still. He talks too much. He's very inquisitive he makes the lesson go longer than it should those types of things and um so he's he's transitioned to virtual classrooms which has been better for him but revert rewind a little bit a summer ago we went to this church across the street from my house and we were and inside there just happened that on this at this event they had somebody advertising for something called lego league and it, what it was is kids that are about were about two years older than him had this big, huge box, and they had to do competitions where they were in this particular one. They had to design a truck that would move on its own or a device, and it would move pieces into certain sections. So what they did is they had a car and had a bumper, and it would pick things up and put it in their places. But it had to finish by going up a ramp and parking. The problem was the bumper was too long. So if you picture that, as it went got to the ramp, if I can do this on the camera, it got to the ramp, the bumper would stop it before the wheels could get to the ramp for the car to ascend to the top, if that makes sense. Essentially, the bumper was too long, but if they shortened it, then it would not uh, be able to pick up all the pieces. So the teacher is talking about how they're trying to work through this. They don't, they're not sure what to do. They've been working on it for a couple weeks, and they haven't found a result. And my son, Andrew, looked at it. He looked at them. He goes... Why don't you just have it go up the hill backwards, like reverse? He goes, I think that might work. <laughs> Problem solved. It just goes to the fact that I think the teacher, as good as his intentions were, was basically without knowing it, trying to lead the kids in the direction how to think to solve the problem, but they couldn't solve it. And my son, who has no bias towards anything at this project, said, why don't you just reverse up the hill? And uh, there you go. Problem was done. And, you know, he had he had no there was no box of thinking that he had to fit the problem into. So it's just fun story as I share about my kids. <laughs> I love um, that, man. Lafayette, do, you, do I have time for a question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about communicating online a little bit was sort of the early on uh, early on presence, I guess, or how we kind of preface the conversation. Is there anything different? And we've talked about a lot of great 
key things about just communicating effectively in general, which I, I love all of it. I've got a whole page of notes here. But speaking online versus an in-person environment, is there anything different that the audience or any of us need to know? Like, what is the difference there? Are there any nuances that have we have to adjust for? Because I don't think we're going to be talking online a lot less as we move forward. I think it'll be pretty much the same Correct. as we are now or, or more. More, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, well, a couple of things. First thing I would say, I definitely think we're going to speak online a lot less than what we did last year. That's for sure. Since for sure. COVID's coming to an end, which is a good thing. And the reason that's a good thing, and I'll be honest, online presentations are way harder mm-hmm. than in-person ones. And the reason is very simple. It's hard to bring out this energy. Obviously, now I do it because you know I do this for a living. But for most people, it'd just be like, well, these two are not here. And I'm just mm-hmm. alone here, just yelling at people. And it's on a screen. So, so it's a lot harder to bring out that energy. I, I would say that's a big difference. But in terms of the principle, the principle is the same, which is, that technique I gave you to earlier about do the same presentation over and over again, mm-hmm. make it on the podcast that applies with the online world, except now because you've done it in person, you've met the people, you see the impact that presentation does. When you go back online, you're presenting it virtually. You have that in your mind and you say, oh, I see, I know this has a lot of impact. And with those people in your frame of mind, then you present with that energy. So I would say that's a that's a big one is I usually recommend people, especially now that COVID's ending and the and the cases are starting to fall, like take a basically it's over. Now now we're in that position. So I definitely recommend people to present something offline first before they present it online because it'll be much easier for them to pull energy. That's probably the biggest difference mm-hmm. I see. The second one is around eye contact, mm-hmm. where you'll notice probably 80% of the time, even I wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, and in person, you obviously look at people's eyes directly, mm-hmm. but you n- you should never do that online. Because if I looked at you directly, it just looks really awkward for people who are watching me right now online. But I have to keep looking at you directly, even if that's not actually the case. But what is interesting about online is even if there's a hundred people in a room online, I can look in one area and it looks it feels like I'm looking at all of you at the same time. Right. which would never happen in person. In person, I have to do one, two, three. So that's interesting as well. That's an advantage I see with online. But for the most part, it's definitely harder in this format. What about engaging your audience online? Is there anything that you could recommend as far as that, like engaging the audience, getting them to engage back versus early on when COVID first hit and we would be in online rooms and so forth, you're typically pretty much just listening to somebody talk. It's incredibly boring. But as you move forward, I've noticed some people are trying to ask questions, put put something in the chat, things like that. Any recommendations on how to engage the audience online? Great question. It's tough. I, I have challenges with that too. I think it really depends on the audience size. Okay. And it starts with the perfect presentation. Like if you if you do like a really amazing presentation the end of the day, people will be engaged throughout. That means you're really good. But I would say tactically, it depends. If there's less than 15 people on a call, one strategy that is the best one in my book, so I'm not super creative, it's maybe something I need to work on, is I call people's names out all the time. 
Mm-hmm. John Lafayette, Billy, Justin, all these. Like, did you get it? Did you get it? Just look, I'm always picking on people when it when it's a small group. If it's more than 50 people, you can't do that, obviously. So what I would do in that case, I was I would ask a lot of questions and have them post in the chat. But I do differently than most speakers is I read the chat. So I would say something like this. What do you think about this topic? What are some of the words? Oh, I see Laura saying fear. I see John saying charisma. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just saying random things. But the, the point is, is like I, 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 I make the chat box come alive. That's another trick. So it makes people feel seen and heard. And then another piece of that as well is Q&A. I make the Q&A period longer towards the end. So that way it's more interactive and I can get more questions in and interact with people as many as I can in the limited time I have. Sure, sure. Is, is there anything else that you want to leave our unscripted audience on something that was on your heart that you think that will be effective or beneficial to them? Yeah, absolutely. Since this topic's about leadership, I'm happy to chime in on that. So I, I think what I would say is I'll end with a book recommendation, some life advice, a book recommendation. I always like to give a shout out for it because it is, it is my, it is the reason I became the person I am today. It's Thirst by Scott Harrison. I think Scott is prolific in storytelling. He's the CEO of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit he started to help people gain access to clean water. I think the guy's a savant when it comes to marketing. I think there's a lot we can learn from him and the, the way that he leads. A lot of amazing people recommended his book. I personally have two copies of it at home. Definitely check it out. In terms Thirst, of like right? Thirst. Yeah, you got it. Thirst. Yeah, by Scott Harrison. Thirst you got Harrison. it. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. That's the book. Yeah. You got it. So, th- so that's that would be the book recommend. In terms of life advice, what I would say, especially for those of you who have made it to the end, what is it, 42 minutes? You're probably someone who really cares about your personal development. You're probably someone who... Who, uh, who really cares about making a difference. So here's my real piece of advice that has nothing to do with communication. The advice is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to make a difference in the world, you want to do something important with your life, the only path forward is the path of insanity. Every person who has done something important with their life is very bizarre by nature. Don't you find it odd that I started a YouTube channel, not on pranks, not on vlogs, not even on music. That's what normal people do. Yeah. I did a pr- I started a YouTube channel on communication and public speaking tips. And I have an executive coaching practice. But I also live in my mom's basement. I'm literally <laughs> talking to you on a mattress I sleep on. I don't own a car. And I love Justin Bieber, especially his old stuff. <laughs> How does any of this make any sense at all? Yeah. And that, my friends, is the point when everything in your life makes sense to the only person it should, which is you, you're probably doing the right thing. Incredible. We want our unscripted family, our audience to continue to connect with Brendan from Master Talk. You can do that on his various social media platforms. Follow his YouTube channel, as he's mentioned several times there. You can get more gems there. His YouTube channel is Master Talk. That is Master Talk. And his Instagram handle is at Master Your Talk. That is at Master Your Talk. This has been an incredible conversation. And again, thank you, Brendan, for coming on, speaking to our audience. There's been so much wisdom that you have dropped throughout this episode. 
that I'm sure that our audience will definitely enjoy and will benefit them even beyond their communication, but as a leader, as, as, as a leader in, in their entirety. And so we, again, we say thank you to our audience, our YouTube channel, their Unscripted Authentic Leadership. You can find this episode dropping next week on Monday. You can see us there. You can connect with us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also stream this episode on our various anywhere you get your podcast platforms. And again, connect with us there on our website, unscripted-leadership.com. Check out our merch, sign up for our email club and get that merch promo code there, LEAD10 when you sign up. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We are here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time.